Hey guys, it's Jordan, and this week is special because we're giving you a sneak peek into our fearless community. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., all of our members and team, we learn different topics and how we can get involved. This past week, we learned from Olivia Murray the history of Marxism and how it has affected our culture today. So make sure you click the link in the description so you can be a part of these conversations. We would love to have you. But let's get to it. This is the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast. Awesome. Okay, so we got a great agenda for today, and I'm making sure we're recording. And if you're listening right now, it's probably this is probably going to be on the podcast because Olivia is going to be here. To uh, Olivia's here. Actually, let's bring Olivia up. What's up, Olivia? Hey, sorry. Excuse the boxes. <laughs> oh, I know you just moved, didn't you? Yep. So t- I'm in Tennessee, everyone. Yeah, she moved to a real red state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So even though Arizona has been making some progress recently, I mean, I know it's, I know it's swampy still. Oh but. yeah. No, it's yeah. I, I really am praying that they can make a lot of progress. I am super glad I am on the outskirts of a town. It's pretty like farm. Like it's obviously not 10,000 degrees. It's not sunny. It's green and beautiful. And I'm loving it. And my mom's coming to visit in like two weeks. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So that's, and we're, is your mom still in Arizona? Or, no, she's in Wisconsin. So she's driving down. It's like nine hours. Okay. Awesome. Yep. So yeah, Olivia is going to be speaking tonight on Marxism, which is a topic that I love and I have studied a lot, um, which actually kind of led me. I don't know if I've talked about the book, uh, Love Letter to America a ton, uh, which is literally a book that talks about how they have basically trained Marxists that are they're implementing. This is back from the 1980s, um, where a, a propaganda informant that worked for the Soviet Union at the time uh, basically warned about Marxism and its effect of, of what is happening and what they're doing in America, the long-term plan. And now we're actually seeing the fruits of that in a major, major way. So I'm really excited because we're going to be learning about that uh, and Karl Marx and the, the one who created it and the Communist Manifesto and all the good stuff. So Olivia actually made also a, a study guide for tonight, which where where is that right now? Can they actually download that somewhere, Olivia? Yep, it's in Riley was super prompt and got it into the community pretty fast today. So I was actually just looking at it. Um, I can't exactly I, I don't remember exactly how it's set up. But it, it shows on the main pages on the home, right under your, your mom, Emily, just posted some news. So it's right under that, the Basics of Marxism Study Guide. So if I'm at home. Yep. It's the second post down. There it is. So, yeah, if you guys go into the community platform and you just click on the home button, scroll down, and you'll see the Basics of Marxism Study Guide, which is, is freaking awesome. And you just click on it, you can download it. So if you haven't already... You can do that there. Does everyone have it? Does anyone need it? it? Looks like everyone's pretty good. Cool. Before we kind of get, uh, I'm going to print mine. Awesome, Allie. 
Um, before we kind of get into the agenda, anyone got any updates, life updates? Um, any anybody talk to any commies? Oh, Allie's got her hand up. Um, what's up, Allie? Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, so you guys know I live in Vegas. Um, we had our primaries last night. So we and it's it's a it's a big race. Like we are fighting here. Um, and so it was against uh, Joey Gilbert and Lombardo, and we wanted Gilbert to win, and he did not. And now we're like, crap, what are we going to do? Because it's literally Sisolak or Sisolak's 2.0. Sisolak donated to Lombardo's campaign. Like, just Lombardo, a Republican? He's not. He's a rhino. Oh. He's like as rhino. He's like Adam Laxalt or a. Crenshaw. But he calls himself a Republican, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. And he's not. He's no. Lombardo is like I'm coming for your guns, and so. But there's also good. There's good with the bad, of course. So there was a lot of Republican conservatives that made it in last night that we needed to make it in, and so that's really good. Okay. Um, so that's good. It's just, it's really just kind of frustrating, really yeah. frustrating. Did Trump get behind the other, the other person or no, did he not endorse? So Trump endorsed Lombardo sadly. And so did DeSantis and Trump both endorsed Laxalt, which Laxalt, again, he's a rhino as well. Um, and so that's really frustrating because it's like, if you're not in the streets, you know, I'm not in the streets, but you guys know what I mean. Like if you're not <laughs> here, Allie's in the streets, taking off her, her earrings, <laughs> right? Like throw my purse up in a tree, like take, put in some Vaseline, like come get these hands. Anyways. Um, so if you're not like in the streets and you're not here in Vegas and seeing what's going on, then you're not going to really know what's going on. And so it's, so frustrating when you have these great people like DeSantis and Trump and they're endorsing people and you're like, can you please not do that? Like, just stop. Like, don't do that. Like, don't give them an endorsement. Joey Gilbert, they didn't give him an endorsement and the GOP was not going to give him the endorsement until the people were like, uh, you better give him the endorsement. Otherwise we're going to start rioting soon. Right. Um, and so they did. But Lombardo, you guys, I mean, he's just as bad as Sisolak. They're twins. Hmm. So. Okay. Well, thank you for the update, Allie. Thank you. Okay. Um, now, speaking of last night, well, that stinks. That does stink about that specific race. But I will say I am hype about last night because if there is – and, and it's funny because on today's podcast, me and Ross, we recorded like two hours ago. We talk about the races last night. We also talk about what it means, what it, what it looks like. But also we even talked about like Trump because Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy. Trump did not endorse Mike Christie, who is actually a uh, I mean, he's been on Speak Truth uh, live two or three times. And he's a good friend of mine. He was running against one of the 10 congressmen that impeached Trump and he didn't endorse Mike Crispy and Mike Crispy only lost by like they they thought Mike Crispy was only get like seven or eight points and Mike Crispy ended up getting 40 but the rhino got like 52 but that rhino is Kevin McCarthy's like main guy and so Kevin McCarthy convinced Trump not to endorse anybody to basically let this d freaking dude that impeached Trump win but we talked about you know why 
And I, I talked to Crispy actually, cause he lost, I talked to him this morning. I'm like, dude, why did Trump not endorse you? Like what's going on? And he's like, honestly, there's a lot of inside baseball that Trump is having to juggle on both sides. Cause he needs, he needs Kevin McCarthy for a lot of different reasons. And he has to be on Kevin McCarthy's good side. Does he like Kevin McCarthy? No. Um, but he has to basically trade off certain deals. And there's a lot of stuff on the inside that we, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, like I know one thing, like Trump does not endorse anyone that doesn't have at least $2 million in the bank that they've raised. Why? Because it, that's what it takes in order to be a Democrat. So he's not going to endorse someone that's not, that isn't able, that doesn't know how to run a campaign essentially. So if there's are certain races where Trump doesn't get doesn't get behind someone who we all love but if that person doesn't have a good team they don't know how to manage finances then trump is just not going to get behind them and there's there's a lot of different things so that's i learned a little bit today about that um and that's coming from someone who just lost who should have won and would have gotten pushed over the edge beating a rhino um from crispy himself but i don't know if you guys saw and i'm not going to talk about this too long uh, I believe uh, Maya Flores, Myra Flores in Texas. Like, guys, if there isn't something like this, actually, like, raise my hopes so much uh, because this is actually a district. Um, this is a district. I don't think that Republicans have won in like over 80 years, like something stupid. And she, um, they were not expecting her to win at all. Hillary Clinton won this district in 2016 against Trump by 33 points, 33 points. And Biden beat Trump by 14 points. This is an 86 percent Latino Hispanic district. This is like all Mexicans, Hispanics, and they voted a Republican for the first oh, 100 years. Thank you, Ali. Over 100 years. They voted a Republican for the first time. If this doesn't actually like this is actually the proof that all the polls are saying, hey, we are going to see a huge red wave this November. Um, and I, I was actually I saw a video of Bannon earlier as he was in D.C. and he said he was so pumped. He's like, we are going to see this November the same thing that happened in 1932, which was when the Democrats won over 90 plus seats and they had over two thirds of the majority of all the House, the Senate and the White House. And he is saying that we are going to see over a hundred seat reversal and possibly the ending of the Democratic Party to, to how we know it. Yes, we're still going to have the Democratic Party, but they are going to lose control for a very very long time. So this is like all the polls that we've been seeing. We're like, ah, oh, we don't know if we trust them. The Democrats are like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But after seeing Virginia go red and now seeing like we're, we're just seeing now the effects of of um, inflation, gas prices, food shortages, food pricing, everything, Ukraine and everything that's going on. I mean, Biden has the lowest approval rating. And, you know, since he has become taken over president. So we're I'm pretty hype about this. Um, it's actually it's it's a good sign. It really is. And we just honestly got to get to November and then pray to God they don't do some election shenanigans. But I mean, if they would have, we would have probably seen that similarly um, yet last night. Anyone have any thoughts on 
last night before we hand over to Olivia about our topic tonight. Anyone got any thoughts? Anyone not as optimistic? Anyone more optimistic? Don't be too uh, bold, guys. No thoughts. Mom, you don't have any thoughts? I know you do. You you had to watch Worm this morning. No? Nope. Okay. All right. She's like, well, maybe. Well, I watched War Room, but my boyfriend was not on there today. <laughs> oh, Bannon was. Oh, because he was at court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a running joke. My husband always says, oh, you have a two hour date with your boyfriend. So well, yeah. Who, who did you get to meet though? FaceTime the other day. Oh yes. I got to meet thankful. Thankfully to you, Jordan. Uh, I got to meet Raheem. Raheem Hassan. Yeah. That, I, that was amazing. So thank you so much. Now, now just talk to Maureen so I can meet my boyfriend and then I'm, and then. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I was in New York this past weekend and I met up with Ashley St. Clair uh, and she, she's a, a writer, journalist, all that stuff. And she's like, Hey, um, I'm going to be hanging out with Raheem tonight. Can you want to come, come with? I was like, Oh yeah, let's do it. So we ended up hitting this bar. We're having a couple of drinks. I'm like, I'm definitely two or three drinks in. So I'm a little buzz and I'm like, Raheem, you have to FaceTime my mom right now. She watches you every single day. And he's like, let's do it. He's, he's already taken three or four shots. So he's lit. And he's like, let's do it, brother. And we go outside and my mom's not picking up the FaceTime. I'm like, come on, pick up the phone. And then she finally did. And then my mom like started screaming. And that's because I was in bed. And oh, so right. when you told me, when I saw who it was, I don't, well, I don't even know. I, I think, I don't know if you text me or something. So I had to jump out of bed. I had to fix my hair, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That is too funny. So, okay. Well, I love you, mom. Love you. Okay. So let's get into tonight. Um, Olivia is going to take it. Um, Olivia, let's talk about Marxism. Yeah. So I wanted to check that quiet. I wanted to quickly ask, has anyone, I want to get the understanding of what people, their thoughts are and perceptions on Marx now, before we go through all this, hear what people have to say about what, maybe what they've heard, if they've heard of him, if they've heard of the communist manifesto, what they've heard about it. Um, Yeah. So anyone, you know, just to kind of get a feel for Allie knows, (laughs) Allie's got something. Let's get, I want, uh, let's get three people who raise your hand, three people. So we got Allie, give me two more. What's your opinion or what do you think, or even like, what do you think about when you hear the word Marxist or Marxism? What is that? Anybody let's come on. No one, no one's raising their hands. I'm about to start calling people out and then just. This is a, this is a communication. We're having a conversation. We're all in a room together. My phone's going off now. Okay. Well, we'll start with Allie and I'm just going to start picking people. So I don't know, honestly, I don't know that much about Karl Marx. I know that he's really, really bad. Um, But in, and this is going to sound terrible, but I don't really know the difference between communism and socialism. And that's why I'm really, really excited to kind of, I mean, I know they're both terrible and I know that we don't want any of them, but I'm really excited to see like maybe the differences because we learned about Russia last week in World War II. 
Um, but I'm excited to see like the differences of the horrific policies. So yay, right. thank you guys. Of course. All right, my mom's my mom has one. Okay, I don't know the exact definition, but I know it's opposite of capitalism. Um that's as much as I got. And I know it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyone else? As you can tell, we're all not saying perfect answers. Um, I'm just going to, you know what? <laughs> if you could, come on, I'm just going to start. I mean, I'm going to add like three people. You know what I like? So like this would just kind of maybe be a challenge to everyone. The Communist Manifesto is super short. It's like a teeny little booklet, small, almost smaller than mine. And I would encourage everyone. I like reading this stuff because it helps me understand what they're thinking. Obviously, you know, like you can understand how to combat stuff because you're, you know, equipped with their ideas and what their thought process is. So um, that's okay. to encourage everyone to read it. It's yeah, it's very interesting. All right. So give five seconds or one. What comes to your mind, Stephen, when you hear the word Marxism? What comes to my mind when I hear the word Marxism? Um, I don't usually think of Marxism as much as I think of communism or communism. socialism. Okay. Autumn. Um, I was going to actually say the same thing. Like when I think of Marxism, I think of I, I equate it to communism. And that's how it's always been portrayed, like in movies, like when people talk about it in movies or shows or, you know, life, they just kind of uh, use it as a blanket statement for communism, I think. Yep. Okay. Roberta? I think of a socialism and then a step to that. And then I think of Canada. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> These, seriously, that's a great answer. I think of Black Lives Matter when I think like I never really heard the word Marxist until I, re you know, I'm, I'm here and like they're Marxist, they're trained Marxist. What is a trained Marxist? Where did Marx, I didn't even realize, I didn't even know who Karl Marx was until BLM. And that's when I started studying a little, a lot more. Grifter. About yeah. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what that is. Yes. A grifter. Exactly. I mean, he was, he was a huge grifter. Yeah. So, you know, they're trained to, to they're, do the same thing, right? Steal money from other people. Yes. Yeah, steal money from other people, destroy the family unit. Um, I mean, yeah, they are, it's the, it is the entrance of communism, but we're going to get into everything with Olivia because I'm, I know I'm going to learn today. So um, Olivia, take it away. Um, and then just let me know when you want me, want me to play that video. Maybe how about we do the video halfway through? Yeah. Um, does that sound good? Okay. So I'll kind of, if you guys have the study guide, great. You can kind of follow along. Cause I just want to, you know, you can go back and look at it. Um, but like how Amber, or Autumn just, sorry, Autumn just said, um, you know, she kind of sees it as this kind of like blanket interchangeable. So specifically why I say Marxism in this context tonight is because so at the beginning of the study guide, you know, why do we say Marxism and not communism? So Marxism is a political ideology in the booklet. So there's this booklet called the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in 1848. And in that booklet, it lays forth these political ideas. So then if you apply those political ideas to a system of government or a political structure, then that is communism. But those ideas, so Marxism preceded communism, if that makes sense. So they, I, I, the, the Marxism means the political philosophy, 
communism means like the government applying those political principles, if that makes sense. Um, and then the two words that, you know, we'll hear a lot and there's, you know, a difference um, is the bourgeois and the bourgeoisie. So uh, the bourgeois is what you would call like a person who belongs to like the middle kind of capitalist class or like it's a descriptor. So like you would say, you know, um, that family is a bourgeois family. Um, so they are family, but then the bourgeoisie is the middle class or the capitalist class. So those, those two different, um, you know, the differences between those. So we all get right into the four ideas real quick. We'll pause, watch a video and then come back for some fun, fun facts on Marx. Um, so number one, Marx believed the family unit needed to be abolished, like a, a married mother and father with children needed to be abolished. So in his words, he said, at, or they said, you know, him and Engels, abolition of the family, even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists. So um, what Mark was, Marx was angry about was he obviously, and we'll get it in the fun facts and, you know, um, Stephen just said, uh, what'd you just say? You know, he was a deadbeat or something, but, um, so he obviously was such a loser. So he recognized that property ownership, and it's the same thing we see today and private gain, which obviously means, you know, in capitalism here in America, you work hard, it pays off. Um, or, you know, you come up with a brilliant idea, you know, you make money off of it. So that private gain is really crucial to financial stability for, you know, you, you're providing for your family, all that. Um, so they, and what he was saying is if they, if a family has financial stability, then that secures generations of people, you know, generations of family being financially secure. And he was obviously upset because he's like, well, then that whole family is keeping this money that really I should have, um, or, you know, the working class. So, um, and then Marx identified, you know, in what he called this, like really poor working class people, he calls the proletariat. And he says, there's an absence of family amongst these impoverished people. Um, so what we can, you know, glean from that is broken families and poverty go hand in hand. And he's saying, you know, he thinks that um, the, the poverty, you know, the, the broken family comes because of poverty when it's actually the, obviously we know the other way around, you know, instability and, and broken families, you know, they don't secure wealth the same way that, you know, solid families do. Um, so that's number one is abolish the family. That's a huge priority. Get rid of the family, sever that relationship between parent and child. And, you know, the, the state takes over all this, you know, really crazy stuff. Which we solved that. We solved that, I believe, in the 1960s when, and I don't remember, was it Lyndon B. Johnson, I believe, that, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if that's actually him, um, when that they basically incentivize with government subsidies to break up the black family because the at that time they were actually becoming a threat to the the, the white race because black communities and black businesses were thriving mm -hmm. and so then what they did was they actually started incentivizing moms and or dads to actually leave the home to break up the family and they would actually give government subsidies to the mothers which is why fast forward 50 60 70 years later you that's when you hear of the black community there's always so many single moms and it's not because one they're they're still doing the exact same thing 
but it's been a generational curse essentially where they basically split up the family and encourage dads to leave the home. It also encouraged the moms to actually have babies outside of marriage and to not even have the dad be a part of the process because they got paid per kid that they would have out of wedlock. So that they like you, of course, they're not going to be like, we are Marxists, even though Black Lives Matter did. Yeah. <laughs> Black Lives Matter was like, no, we're going to actually say it. And then they got so much heat that they actually took it off their website. But this is what our own government, including our president at the time, literally did was they actually implemented Marxist ideologies and policies in a way of we want to take care of the single mom. But what it did was it actually encouraged the dad to leave the home. And that's why we have so many single kids, especially in the black community, uh, specifically at the highest rate. And you literally can look up the charts where you'll see the black community at the time had the most dads in the home. And then you literally see the chart just go up right when they passed that law. And now it's a stupid number of like, I don't know, 70%, 80% of a black kid, black, the black men don't have the dad in the home. And I was going to say 75%. So I think that's numbers right on. Yep, exactly. So good. Uh, my guess and my gut was correct. Um, yeah. Okay, perfect. So I just want to give that, that uh, my thoughts on that. That's- and abortion, obviously, in the context of the decision coming out tomorrow, abortion, an, an attack on obviously, especially black families, but even minority families, you know, Hispanic, whatever, all that. Abortion just, des- you know, destroys a family. Of course, <laughs> you're literally, you know, um, we, you know, understand that. But um, no, Autumn, the- Autumn just said uh, in the chat, I was just learning about this. They actually had teams of people go and ch- do checks in the home to ensure the father wasn't in the home or they would lose their money. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. That uh, it's evil. Sorry, I got distracted with Allie. She knows me so well. Talk about your favorite Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. Wilson. I don't like him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, sorry, I got a little. Yeah, uh, yes, I've read Blackout. Actually, that book, Blackout, actually, where I learned that, which then dove me into like, wait, what is Marxism? What happened in the 1960s? How did this even happen? Uh, that bo- If you guys haven't read the book, Blackout, it's the perfect introduction of like book to really understand how we got where we are today. I'm gonna have to get that. Yeah, it's great. Number two, and this is, you know, so maybe actually I'm gonna uh, backtrack a teeny bit to kind of, I, I don't even know how I didn't include this in the study guide, I'm sorry guys. So the idea of the communist manifesto is Marx, Marx's view, his view is that capitalism oppresses workers and therefore they need this like violent revolution to flip the script. And now the workers are going to be the ruling class over the bourgeois, you know, bourgeoisie who don't do anything. They just live off the backs of, you know, of the workers, whatever. So it's obviously in light of all of that is, that is his thought. So this is in that context. So excuse me for forgetting that, but Number two is abolish private property, um, that people aren't allowed to own anything. And that his, you know, obviously this goes to, you know, what he recognized as private property within families, made families secure for generations. Like how Jordan was just talking about this generational curse. You have to break this cycle because it is, obviously we know truth and reality are objective regardless of feelings, emotions, whatever. It does, you know, it doesn't matter our understanding of what reality is. 
reality is reality. And, you know, breaking a family is a real, you know, for it's a generational curse, you know, like divorced parents have kids who get divorces and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but abolish private property. So that that's this what is, the world, and that's what the World Economic Forum is wanting to do. Like yep. it's their entire 2030 agenda. You will own you will own nothing and you will be happy. I mean, you right. and we talked about that, I think, last week or two weeks ago, and we even talked about it on the podcast. Um, where I mean you can literally look up World Economic Forum articles that are written by their editorial team, and they talk about it's the year 2030 and you don't own your clothes, like you rent them. <laughs> you don't own like anything. There's no businesses. Everything is run by this global communist Marxist regime, which is exactly what Olivia is saying. And you can, I mean, what, it's so funny. Everything you're saying right now, Olivia, that's exactly what they're actually prepping for. <laughs> so insane. like, I really despise communism. So this is why I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? I mean, what am I going to teach? And, I was, and obviously this subject is Tennessee, always... That's what you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so in Marx's words, he said, the communist revolution is the most radical rupture with traditional property relations, which are people owning their property. He says, no wonder that its development involved the most radical rupture with traditional ideas, destroying a family. You know, when then the history of people ever existing has, you know, a, a, a political philosophy pushed for destroying family, like through all biblical history, families were like strong families or big families. And, you know, all this, you know, we all obviously understand history. Um the number two, these quotes here, are a couple of quotes from him, the proletariat so that poor, poor class will use its political supremacy to rest, you know, like wrestle away by degree, all capital from the bourgeoisie. So take all their wealth. And then also, you know, the, the proletariat will be organized as the ruling class. Um, so what I, that sticks out to me um, is, Mar so Marx wrote that in the beginning of the revolution, those things could only be accomplished by, quote, means of despotic inroads. So what's despotism? Total tyranny. Like he's so he's acknowledging, OK, in the beginning, you know, of course, the, the bourgeoisie, they're not going to just the middle class, are not just going to hand over their their bank account and their property. You know, we're going to it's going to have to be taken by, quote, means of despotic inroads. So like he acknowledged pandemic. what? Like a pandemic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like red flag laws. Um, so he acknowledged that even if it meant tyranny, theft or murder, you know, like to get to that end is OK, which then brings us to the next big point. And I'm sure you guys have heard this is the end justifies the means. So this communist utopia where you own nothing and you're happy and everything's great for, you know, keeping all of us rubes fine while the ruling class does their thing because there's of course always still a ruling class um so you know to accomplish this communist mission um you know through despotic inroads it didn't matter what it took as long as you know that obviously the end justifies anything that happened in between then even if you got to kill a few people you got to rape a few people whatever it might be it's all okay if it's getting you to that utopian end which is obviously like a totally sick and sinful way to you know, totally, you know, sick, perverted political philosophy. Yep. Um, and then number four is globalism. So here's a quote from his book. The communists are further reproached, you know, so people are getting even more mad at them than abolishing the family when they say, you know, with desiring to abolish countries and nationality. 
Um, so, you know, hit one of the rallying cries of the book is workers of the world unite. So it wasn't, you know, workers of Germany, workers of Prussia, workers of England, you know, any of these countries that he was always floating around in. Um, so it was, you know, calling for all the workers around the world to violently revolt against those who are better off than them. Um, so that those are the four things abolish the nuclear family unit, abolish private property, end uh, justifies the means and globalism. Um, and um, so we'll pause there, Jordan. And then do you want to play that video for us real quick? Let's do it. Let's let me hold on. Where did you go? There you are. Okay. All right. Engraved on Karl that? Marx's tombstone. I just want to make sure. Here we go. Engraved on Karl Marx's tombstone in Highgate Cemetery in North London are the following words. The philosophers have only interpreted the world in various ways. The point, however, is to change it. Substitute the word professor for the word philosopher. We really don't have philosophers anymore, and you get right to the core of Marx's enduring attraction to the contemporary world. Marx demands that the intellectual class, the professors of law, sociology, history, women's studies, anthropology, journalism, and so on, come out of the ivory tower and join the barricades to see themselves not as the preservers of the dusty past, but the creators of a new and glorious future. The lure has proven to be very strong, and it's not hard to understand why. How much more meaningful, exciting, and romantic to see yourself as an agent of change rather than a mere academic? How much more meaningful, exciting, and romantic to see the young people who fill up your classroom as potential soldiers in the cause? Send them into the world with the same revolutionary spirit, the same disgust toward bourgeois middle-class values that you feel, and you've done your job. And we must give these lecture hall revolutionaries their due. Look around. For the most part, they've succeeded. Drill into any current leftist movement, environmentalism, critical race theory, the massive expansion of the welfare state, not to mention diversity, equity, and inclusion offices at every university and major corporation, and you will find Marxism at its core, a contempt of the Enlightenment and the Judeo-Christian value system from which capitalism springs. Marx's most famous call to action, workers of the world unite, was not, of course, to the professoriate, but to the laboring class. That didn't work out so well. Workers, especially in the United States, turned out to be more interested in refrigerators than revolutions. The only barricade they were passionate about was a white picket fence in front of a green suburban lawn. Poor, benighted souls, the appeal of Marxism was somehow lost on them maybe because they didn't go to college. But the intellectual class never lost faith. Even after Stalin, even after Mao, even after Castro wrecked Cuba, even after Pol Pot murdered millions of his fellow Cambodians, even after Hugo Chavez destroyed the strongest economy in South America, the academic elite remained true believers. Indeed, in a world without faith, where God is dead, Marxism has become, in effect, a substitute religion. One of the major strengths of Marxism, in contrast to both modern liberalism 
and conservatism is the unyielding commitment of its followers to this faith, to bear witness to it, and to act on it. It summons these followers to join a crusade to destroy the evil that is capitalism and to create the good that is communism. In our secular world, the Marxist ideal gives the Marxist true believer a reason to live, a reason to die, and a reason to kill. Monsters like Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Kim Il-sung, Ho Chi Minh, and Pol Pot took this to the nth degree and murdered millions. For the record, the latter two were politically educated in France. Pol Pot studied at the Sorbonne. If you think I'm exaggerating the evils of Marxism, if you think Stalin and those other guys got communism wrong, but your new democratic socialism will get it right, think again. Marxism leads a society toward a fixed goal, a utopian vision of pure freedom in which the individual is liberated from the false consciousness of capitalism. Unfortunately, by Marx's own definition, the path to this utopia requires the destruction, economically, politically, and morally, of every vestige of civilization as we know it. Economically, Marxism seeks to destroy free enterprise, the division of labor, profit and loss, competition, and material wealth. Politically, it seeks to destroy the rule of law, separation of powers, and freedom of speech. Morally, it seeks to destroy individualism, religious liberty, and independent thought. And on top of this rubble, it builds the all-powerful state ruled by an all-powerful elite. This is why the communist 1%, the true 1%, must use the full power of the state to force the 99%, the true 99%, to become something they are not and do not want to be. And if that doesn't work, the secular philosophy of brotherly love simply intimidates into silence and ultimately liquidates as much of the 99% as is necessary to keep everybody in line. Censorship, secret police, and re-education camps. These are not bugs in an imperfect system. They are features, critical parts of its design. In short, the problem with Marxism has been and always will be Marxism. Too bad the academic establishment has yet to figure this out. Or even worse, maybe they have. I'm Brad Thompson, professor of political science at Clemson University for Prager University. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation. Do you guys hear that? Yep. Oh, you guys <laughs> Dang it. I was hoping you guys didn't. Uh, where'd it go? Goodness gracious. Anyway, Why does anyone oh, still knew, care about I Marxism? I don't know where this is coming from. Karl Marx has been dead for well over a century. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, found it. There you are. Well, thoughts? Anyone have any thoughts about that before Olivia continues on? Um, I just thought it was interesting that he said that the middle class didn't like pick up on it. They didn't care about this ideology. And it was probably because they didn't go to college. And in, you know, that just reiterates what we've all been learning over the past couple of years is just how indoctrinating higher education um, has become over the last, you know, 50 years. Yeah, exactly. And, and you would think if people looked at the history of all of the men that he mentioned that led to millions of deaths, but it's so true. It, it does. 
one thing that he said that I, that I just learned, like, it does sound cooler to like initially to be for the agent for change. Cause it's like, okay, we're, we're doing the usual. Um, but then people that don't have purpose, people that don't have an identity, people that, um, whether they didn't have parents that raised them and taught them about hard work and personal responsibility, those people are so easy to emotionally manipulate, which is why Democrats that have a lot of Marxists now within their party, or at least Marxist beliefs or values, um, that is why they are so emotionally driven with all of their policies and all of their um, their press conferences. Everything is emotional because, again, that is how they I mean, we saw the, that's why I played that video in the beginning. They couldn't have, they, nothing, the moment they, you started asking them simple questions, immediately they're like, they don't want to answer the question anymore because they know that nothing backs up what they literally just said. And they were completely contradicting themselves with everything because they were, they, they have become so ignorant with their beliefs that their emotional feeling that they have it's just completely destroying the actual reality of what's happening. So very true. Um, anybody else? Steven. There we go. Yeah, I was just going to say you, I, I commented, but you have, I was going to say something similar. To what you'd have to be a really miserable person yeah. to even consider it because why else would you think that this is a good idea? I mean, unless you are just miserable and mad at the world, uh, which pretty much describes what we see in the Democrat Party now. They are angry, loathsome, you know, people who hate themselves. Um, but why else would you say, yeah, you know, it seems like a good idea to give up what I've worked hard for so I can have nothing or that's, so that I can take know. what other people have and we can all share it. I mean, it's just nonsense. It's literally just the envy of somebody else has worked harder or maybe they had some level of privilege that I don't have and they're better off and darn it. I deserve it. Well, you said, but you, well, you said, Stephen, you said, I don't understand people that would work hard. That's the thing majority of the people that are Marxists that emotionally gravitate towards that Drifters. don't work hard or they don't start their own business because the moment that they do, then they realize, hold on a second, you want to give away 30, 40, 50, 60% of my income to pay for someone else's health care or pay for someone else's bills or pay. It, it's, I mean, even with me, I've learned so much over the last six months since I've really gone full-time into health insurance, where it's so interesting because you'll be talking to a family that makes, you know, they're, they're working their butt off. They have two or three kids and, you know, they're making 50,000 a year as an annual household. And yeah, the government comes in and says, Hey, we're going to help cover some of your bills. I think that's, that's great. Then what ends up happening is they cross a certain threshold and they go from 40 K to 60 K or even 70 K. And now they lose that entire government subsidy. And now they're actually making less money now that they have to pay for their health insurance and so we've literally basically like people don't want to make more money. They want to stay where they're at because if they actually make that promotion and try to work a little bit harder, then they're actually making less when everything is said and done. It's the same thing that inflation money. does, right? Right. The price of everything goes up. 
your paycheck goes up, then your tax bracket goes up. So you can only buy maybe what you could buy before, but now you get taxed more. It's That's why it's theft. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying, I don't even understand. You, you literally have to be in the situation where young people are now, where you're like, it's hopeless. I'm never going to make it. Therefore, I want to take what other people have made uh, for myself, you know, which well, yeah. is scary and because they've developed the system so far now that young people actually are embracing this garbage. But how the original people came up with it is beyond or thought it was a good idea is beyond me. Well, imagine I, I just had this thought. Imagine that you pay $120,000 to go to this school for four years and then you learn all of this. like you have to believe what they taught you because you spent 120, you spent a hundred thousand dollars in debt to actually learn whatever you got taught. So like, it, it would be so hard for someone to actually leave. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you to, I understand where you're going with this, but I saw this 30 years ago when I was in college, right. Which was what in the world are you doing? Spending money to go to school for that. Like that's a total dead end. I mean, I said that to my, I was like that with my sister, like, you're going to university to go become a social worker? Are you crazy? Like, you're not going to even be able to pay your bills. And sure enough, she did that for a bit and was like, I don't want to do this now. I need to make a living. And so then she became a teacher and had to go back for more school. But I'm oh. just like, people ought to figure this stuff out before they spend 100000 bucks. I mean, that's just... Oh. Uh, the one the one thing my dad always told me, he goes, you don't go to college unless you know what you want to do. And if you don't know what you want to do, the only reason why you, he's like, I recommend go take business courses. Don't actually pay 40, 60, 80. Now you can go on YouTube and get all the same education literally from YouTube. You just don't have a freaking diploma. And nowadays people, half the country now looks down on people that went to one of those liberal colleges anyway. So they didn't like, I don't. Hold on a second. Let me ask you, what are your values? Like, do you believe in God? Do you actually care about your family? Because the moment that these kids are graduating, and I mean, they're graduating, be, becoming Marxists as they walk out, and they don't even really know what the word Marxist is, but their values will, and their conversations actually show it. So great thoughts, Stephen. Thank you. Our, uh, my mom has, my mom, let's bring her. All yes. right, go ahead. Just real quick. Um, we have a lot of friends. You know, I'm 56 and you know, you're 34 now, Jordan. And so a lot of our friends' kids all went to college and have graduated now doing their own thing. I'd say the majority of the kids who graduated from college, they were that were raised in a Christian home, they have done total 180s in their thinking. By the time they graduated from school, they went from being conservative to liberal. I mean, I can think of so many people right now off the top of my head without naming names. Um, and honestly, like a lot of the people who we're talking to now and then things I've been hearing, they're even saying, like you said, unless you need really a specific education, don't send your kids to college. Because like you said, there's so many things you can learn online. And yes, you might not get the degree, but you know, the business courses and things like that, unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. But my one really good friend, her kid, you know, he's a lawyer now and he's just like so 180. But anyways, yeah, no, that's, that's that's what ends up happening. I mean, I, I went I went to a music school in Hollywood. Uh, I mean, I didn't get indoctrinated, but I also had parent privilege is what I call the real privilege. 
Um, and but I knew I was willing to go in debt or pay a lot of money to go to this music school because I knew I wanted to be a musician. And I waited honestly till like 25, 26 to actually go to it. So I mean, and by that time, even when you are in your mid-20s, you kind of already know your values, you know your beliefs. So it's a lot harder to get indoctrinated instead of going and coming out of high school, literally thinking you know everything and you literally know nothing. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's been definitely the indoctrination camp for sure of our generation is the education system with college. Amber. Sorry if there's background noise. Um, so I was gonna say I took a sociology class in community college. Um and I remember the teacher asking us like, okay, so what are your privileges and what is your advantages and disadvantages? Like being a woman, is that a disadvantage? And being white, that's a privilege. Um, and so basically I was like, okay, I'll like go along with it because basically this guy like spoke out against it and he got kicked out of the class. Um, so just to pass the class, I kind of went along with it. And then after that, I kind of realized that it wasn't really worth my time to pay that much money to, to finish out my four-year degree. So I stopped at my associates and moved on with life. Good. Good. Yeah. That's, I love, I love hearing that. And that's why, that's why I love these, like having these conversations. I actually want to make a challenge because we're about to go into breakouts. I'm going to let Olivia say any final thoughts before we end up going to breakouts, but I want to make a challenge, especially for Lana, uh, Samantha, Cause I know Samantha, you, you, you know how to do Actually, you might not be able to do this cause you're real estate. I get it, but I want to make a challenge to all of you guys because you guys can make like 10 Instagram reels from this study guide that Olivia made. And I would love to see if you guys take some of the notes that you guys learned. And if I know this might be a, getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I'm going to do one for sure. If not by tonight, tomorrow, and make a 30 second or 60 second reel about Marxism and share it to your audience. If I see it, tag me and I'll reshare it. So I would, I would love to see that because not only do we have these nights to learn, because yes, like this is incredible information. Olivia probably spent a couple hours preparing this for us, but we also want to impact the people that listen to us. So I would encourage you guys get a little bit out of your comfort zone. You might, and don't worry if he only gets 10 views or 50 views, who cares? You know how many reels that I did that literally nobody saw and my mom was the only one liking the photos. And then she'd go on my dad's profile because she felt bad and like that one as well. And, and I'm like, oh, I got a couple li <laughs> like, seriously. But it's, it's the, you, you get better at what you, like you get better as time goes. It's probably going to be the worst reel that you've ever done if it's your first time, 100%. But I would encourage you guys to actually put yourself out there. Don't be afraid of rejection and get this information out because, and there's like, just from that PragerU video alone, there's like 15 reels I thought in my head, like, oh, and it could be so simple of like, um, you know, what is a Marxist and literally, or who founded Marxism? Did you know that Karl Marx, da, 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 da. and you can literally make 10 Instagram reels with all of the information that's just in the study guide alone, let alone the PragerU. So if you guys do one, tag me, I'll reshare it. It's a challenge for all of you guys. And then I'm going to ask you all next week, who did it and who didn't. I know not everyone's going to do it. That's for some people just don't want to be on camera. I get it. It's already a stretch for you guys to be on camera and here with us, 
but it would be really cool to see that. So, but Alana, I'm expecting it from you. <laughs> um, any thoughts? All right, Olivia, what do you got for us before we go into breakout rooms? Okay, so the fun facts, you guys can kind of go through that on your own, um, but just to sum it up, so Marx was, like Stephen said, grifter. He was just an absolute loser. Couldn't hold a job, had no money, couldn't take care of his family, refused to work. Like, I mean, he was just such a societal misfit, so pathetic. And so obviously, you know, people are like, well, who, who came up with this? A man who is just so greedy, so selfish, so like resentful and bitter that other people have what he doesn't. Um, and, you know, there's the birth of communism. Um, Look at this. So hold on real quick. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm so sorry. Go, 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 go. So fun facts about Marx, like guys, there's your real. <laughs> You literally could just steal everything Olivia just said and say, here's some, here's a couple of fun facts about Karl Marx. Did you know that he was a societal misfit? He was also rejected by people that he lived among talks the worlds and eight fourteen. Like you literally can do that. Add some captions, put a little caption in there, hit share, tag Jordan, boom, you got a reel. And then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But I'm telling you, if we can get comfortable doing this, then there's people in your community that follow you that you can actually impact. And the average person that probably follows you is like, wait, who's Karl Marx? And that one question alone will actually send them to the black hole that you went through during the pandemic, the vaccine, um, everything that over the last couple of years that have caused us to where we are now in a Zoom room on a Wednesday night for an hour and a half talking about politics when two years ago, it's the last thing that any of us probably would be wanting to do. Sorry, keep going, Olivia. No, no, yeah. And actually, I see a typo. I accidentally included he was then expelled from France in 1845 yeah, yeah. twice. So I'm going to have to fix that and upload a new one. Sorry to all you guys who printed it out. But um, yeah, so there's a list of like, and and you, no wonder he wanted to ban nations. Nobody wanted him. All these people he lived amongst are just like, this dude's a loser. Get out of our town. Nobody, nobody wanted him. Um, so obviously, that makes sense why he quite why he wanted to get rid of nations. Um, he, uh, they, the, in the video, he talked about, you know, people didn't really care in the U S you know, they were busy buying refrigerators and building a nice house. They don't care what some crazy person from the 19th century said. And, uh, when he died, when Marx died, there was only 11 people at his funeral. Almost. He was, he was just so despised and everyone's just like, this dude is such a loser. And one person picked up that book and read it and sent that idea. And that was Lenin all over the world. So thanks Lenin, um, because this could have just died with Marx. Um, so yeah, there's some fun facts. Um, major contradictions that I know, you know, are like that stand out. So Marx saw this, this, he said, people are greedy. They're selfish. They're, they exploit others. You know, the bourgeoisie were only rich because they oppressed the lower classes. But then he wants to just make a new ruling class of just new individuals and give them the wealth. Like you're just so like th that's the contradiction. So he's not really solving the problem of any like sort of oppression in, you know, culture uh, classes. Um, and then the second contradiction is, you know, he rallied against the oppression of the, you know, of the lower class people at the hands of the bourgeoisie. They step all over us. They come in here and they they take our wives and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but then he said, well, we're going to have to take their property through despotism. Like we're going to have to be tyrants at first. That's how we get our revolution. Um, so he's mad at oppression and then wants to use that against like 
He's wow. just obviously such an idiot. So this is my mom's idea. Have a take-home yeah. message. So there's the take-home message. <laughs> Marx was a greedy and covetous caitiff. Um, so, um, and then Marxism and communism are evil. So that's so, all you need to know, you know, basically. Who, who thinks Olivia needs to talk about this on our Instagram live one of these nights? Let me put makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a good combo. We, we, need to, we need to get, so mom, we need to get Olivia's schedule on the Instagram live so that we can talk about Marxism one night. I love talking about it. And so we need to get that going. Um, everyone, everyone give Olivia a clap or a thank you for preparing this because she spent her time doing this for all of us. Um, you have any breakout questions, Olivia, for the breakout rooms? Oh, wait, you're muted. Sorry. Did I mute you on accident? I'm sorry if I did. I don't know if I did. Unmute. There you are. Oh, there we go. Okay. So I just posted them in the um, in the chat. Um, number one. So I gave you four basics. Do you see any of these ideas present in our culture or society today? If so, which ones and where? Explain. Um, and then <laughs> number two, what ideas do you think are most dangerous and why? Mm. So yeah, those two, you guys can kind of go through just the, just the four. I mean, there's a lot more, but those are the four main ones All and right. kind of, you know, using that as the context, uh, you know, kind of have those. Yeah, this is too easy, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So th those are the questions to discuss. Uh, and if you guys run out of things to talk about, one thing you guys can talk about is what you guys might do in the video to teach people that follow you, your friends or family about Marxism, uh, because I think this is something that we should, this is an easy topic to talk about. And it's an easy topic to do the reels, especially with what Olivia just gave us. Make sure you tag Olivia when you do tag myself and speak truth without fear so we can see it. And I know that we will definitely want to all share it. Um, and we'll put like STWF challenge or something. So yeah, if you quickly, I don't, sorry, let, I want to share too, but I don't know how Instagram works. My messages are out of control. So anything that's going to message me, but if you like put, I can check my little heart and see right. like comments and stuff. So if they do it where I, that shows up, I can share then too. Yeah. Yeah. That's why if, if you, when you tech, cause you can, when you make an Instagram reel before you post it, I wish I could actually show you, but before you post it, you can add a tag. It'll say like, you know, add tag someone, and then you can tag as many people as you want. So you can tag Olivia, you can tag myself, you can tag a speak truth without fear. Um, and then what, if you want to actually collaborate with someone, that's where you'll see another section says invite collaborator. And that's where, if, you know, you guys could collaborate with someone here in the, your breakout rooms. It's like, Hey, do you want to make a video together? If you don't want to do it by yourself. And you guys could actually take turns saying something and edit it that way and then actually invite a collaborator so that you got it both it posts on both your guys' page. So man, that would be really cool if I saw that. If I saw two people do a video together, that'd be really cool. Um, okay, cool. We're good to go. We're opening up the breakout rooms. We're gonna go for 20 minutes. We'll be back in 20. Have a great breakout time.